Hello, welcome to Commission Over Coffee, where we engage in an ongoing conversation with key leaders who are making disciples in Florida and across the globe. Welcome to Commission Over Coffee, where we are having a conversation about the Great Commission. I'm Sean Walker, joined by Dan Alvers and Jay Mudd. Jay is a church planter in the Northeast, and he's joined us today to talk about his church planting experience. Dan, do you have some questions for Jay? Absolutely, Sean. Thank you. Uh, I have a few questions for Jay, definitely. But I want to start with a few things here. I want to let you know how you can get in touch with Jay. You can call Jay at his cell phone at 508-561-6952. Again, that number is 508-561-6952. You can also email Jay at j at coahchurch.org. Again, that email is j at coahchurch.org. You can follow Jay on Twitter or Facebook and get in touch with him in those ways. But let's get to the bottom line. Me and Jay, we go back a little ways, and we have a shared history in many ways. It goes all the way back to BCF, but we've met each other along the path in a few other directions, and I engaged him in several conversations about what he's doing there in Natick, and it's been exciting to hear his story. And with that, let me just start with the first question. Jay, what's your story? Well, Dan, uh... I've been in ministry for about 14 years now, and I would say uh, in October of uh, 2014, God began to really stir in my my life and in my wife's life of what what He was about to do uh, in our lives. Missions has always been a part of my family, and it wasn't just something we did, it was something we lived out uh, in everything that we did. Um, uh, we were always looking uh, for ways that we could reach those who do not have a relationship with Christ. We could... Uh, or the local church, even for that matter. As God began to stir in our lives, it became very clear that He did not want us to um, just stay right where we were, but to begin the process of investigating what church planning would look like. And uh, we knew uh, very shortly into the whole process that if we didn't do this, if we didn't step out and to follow with what we thought God was doing in our life, uh, it would just be disobedience. So as I began to pray about it, a good friend of mine and a mentor um, who was in the final stages of moving to church plant in Toronto, um, we just happened to find ourselves at a regular meeting and having this conversation. He suggested that I take a trip up to check it out, and um, as we spent some time with God and asking if that was what we were supposed to do, we ended up on a plane and, and in Toronto and met uh, some wonderful guys with the North American Mission Board in Toronto, and uh, they they pelted us with tons of questions, just kind of really trying to also help us discover if this was really God's call for our life. And uh, when we got back, uh, a few weeks after we got back, the SIN coordinator at the time in Toronto, whose name is Andrew LeMay, he, uh, he called me up and he said, uh, would you pray about not coming to Toronto? Uh, at first, that was kind of scary because I was like, okay, I must have done something wrong or we missed something. He said, no, rather, would you, would you actually consider praying about planting in Nova Scotia? And uh, my wife and I stood back and we were like, what in the world, Nova Scotia? That was not even on our radar. Um, but rather than just write it off because it wasn't on our radar, we began to pray and go, okay, is this something God is doing? We went ahead and um, purchased our tickets and uh, set a date that we were going to go visit and check out this new location that we believed uh, God was leading us to. But during this whole process, we were also um, in the process of adoption, adopting our four-year-old son, Louie. 
we had had him uh, since he was 16 years, uh, 16 months old. And um, it so happened that uh, a week before we were to go, uh, the courts in Florida um, made a decision that they, at this time, were not going to allow us to adopt. We would just remain permanent legal guardians. What that did was uh, pretty much put a stop to us leaving the country to do any kind of form, any form of church planting. Uh, and so this was a big setback of us not really understanding why this would happen or, or um, you know, what it meant for this new call that we believe God had put on our lives. But uh, another friend of ours in Toronto named Brett Porter, actually, uh, we were talking to him about this whole thing of what was happening. And he said, you know, Jay, what I think you really should do is contact a good friend of mine named Curtis Cook in Boston and, and talk to him. I believe you would do really well in Boston. And, and so do, by doing that, um, we began to uh, have conversations with those in Boston, and uh, really the, the story goes is uh, we believe that God used these things to engineer and put us right where he wanted us, which is now in Metro West Boston. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I just want to ask a further question. And How in the world did you even come to the idea to plant a church? What formed that process in your heart? How did that come about? Uh, that's that's really uh, that's really a neat story. Is is now I can look back and actually see how God had been preparing me for this time in my life uh, many, many for many many years. Um, so prior to going to the field of church plant, I was at uh, First Baptist Church of Leesburg uh, for a little over uh, right around six years. Um, and the last tenure of that, uh, for the last three years of that time, I was the discipleship pastor. And I had the honor of overseeing many different ministries, uh, but there was one group uh, that I really, um, I'm really excited because I, I saw how God could use uh, the mentality of a church planter to reach, uh, again, an untargeted area, people people that were not being connected to God or the local church. And that was within the, the college-aged uh, type of ministry. We we launched uh, a college ministry there in Central Florida, which... Um, Leesburg is right outside of the Villages, Florida, which is a heavy populated retirement community. Um, and the closest big college would have been in Orlando, which would have been 45 minutes away. But we identified a group of individuals that uh, were not being reached by the local church. And we set out to, to do that. And it started with a small group Bible study that led to uh, you know, a worship service, and then small groups, and one thing led to another. And before we knew it, we had, uh, you know, well over 100 college students that were regularly engaging in this ministry. We had, uh, my last year there, we had over 75 college students that were um, actively engaged in missions, including a group of about 25 we took to the U.K., um, we were seeing college students get saved, being called into full-time ministry, being called to the full-time mission field, uh, and, and actually really engaging and serving in the local church. And it really resonated with me the, of what it means to really get out there and, and engage an unreached group. Um, so I, I was hooked. I was hooked. This wasn't a church plan. I don't claim it to be a church plan. It was a, it was it became just a thriving ministry of First Baptist Leesburg, but the concepts were there of what it meant to be a, a church planner or to reach an unreached area. So, thanks, Jed. Got a further question. Uh, we have a shared history. We both went to the same undergraduate school at the Baptist College of Florida. I think he did a fantastic job. But I want to ask the question: How did uh, the Baptist College of Florida or BCF prepare you for church planning? All the ideas that go into it, evangelism, discipleship. How are those things formed, and how did you learn and grow from that experience? Uh, if I was to look back in the history of all the things that I have uh, encountered, the education, 
uh, the different courses, the studies, anything that I've done, I would look back and say BCF uh, probably did one of the most excellent jobs of preparing me for ministry. Uh, I hold one of, uh, I think, one of the few degrees that uh, the Baptist College of Florida offered in just single, just leadership degree um, from the Baptist College of Florida. It was a well-rounded degree. It, it placed a great balance of theology, Christian education, leadership courses. Um, I remember after leaving uh, the Baptist College of Florida, I pursued a master's, uh, uh, a master's in Christian education. And as I was doing this degree, I was pulling textbo- textbooks off the shelf that I had used at the Baptist College of Florida. They were asking me to write the same papers that I wrote at the Baptist College of Florida. And I, I just thought to myself, how, how good the quality of the education was at the Baptist College of Florida. The professors there, um, the whole education experience really set a great foundation for uh, who I am today as, 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 a, as a pastor, as a as a church planner, um, everything comes and stems from that time I spent at Baptist College of Florida. To follow that up, Jay, how have pastors helped uh, to prepare you for church planting, whether the pastors that you were in a church with or um, pastors that you served with in a church or just local church pastors altogether? I think uh, there's a wide variety of pastors. One thing I do, uh, and and I, I'm just adamant about doing, which is talk to as many people as I possibly can about what I'm doing uh, and get information, uh, collect data, and process all that, and then allow God to really shape uh, the decisions I'm making and things like that from uh, what He's teaching me as well as um, the wisdom of others. And so I would say, like, for example, the pastors at First Baptist Church in Leesburg were extremely supportive through this whole process. And that has been key to have those supporting pastors that are coming, uh, you know, behind you and encouraging you. Um, sending you emails and things of that sort. I was there and I was with them for nearly six years, as I mentioned, and I have very close ties to them and the church. Uh, the senior pastor there, Cliff Lee, he did an excellent job of leading uh, that church body to be a supportive, uh, a very key supportive uh, arm of what we're doing. Um, I've heard stories of planners who did not have that, and honestly, I don't know where we would be if we did not have that of, of church um, pastors who have come alongside and really supported what we're doing and led their churches, those that they're shepherding, to do the same. Why church planting in Natick? To shift gears here a little bit, right. out of all the places, why Natick? Well, uh, it's it's interesting. When we when we landed in Boston, uh, we were ca- we were connected with a church catalyst named Joe. Um, Joe was was amazing. He was very sensitive to find out where God was leading us, uh, not just where He wanted to put us. Um, so, and I think that's very key in church planning is is that we don't have somebody saying, "Well, this is where you need to go," but rather really being sensitive to what God is doing in that family's life or that individual's life. As he drove us around, I remember telling Joe to take us to an area that the North American Mission Board had identified uh, as needing a gospel preaching, gospel centered church. Um, and that there was not currently anything happening. Joe knew right where to take us, and I and I think this is is key for what the North American Mission Board is doing is identifying these areas and knowing these areas and having done the research prior to church planters arriving on the ground, so that they can have that conversation and through that conversation be able to identify where they might work. And so he took us 16 miles outside of the city in Metro West Boston, and he took us to the towns of Natick and Framingham. He shared with us that there was no English-speaking Southern Baptist church, and over time he began to look at the area, uh, as we began to look at the area and study, we landed in Natick. Natick has no gospel-centered church, 
And in our three-mile target zone that we are focusing on, there's over 58,000 people who live there. And of those 58,000 people, statistically, only 2.7 would identify themselves as Christ followers. So doing the math real quick, that leaves us with over 56,000 people in a three-mile radius with no gospel preaching church. Uh, just to give you a quick example, there's an 18-year-old guy uh, who's lived there his whole life. And in our conversation, we began to talk. Um, it came quick, became very obvious very quickly. He had no understanding. He did not know who Adam and Eve were. He did not have an understanding of who Jesus was. Um, that's kind of the culture there in Natick. It's just non-existent. And so for us, this was this was uh, it was a just a it was a draw. We were broken. We were uh, we were just drawn to the area, knowing that this is where God was putting us. Um, being in in the South, uh, particularly where we are located in Florida. Uh, there is a church just about every corner, um, so that kind of begs the question, should we have more churches? And, and if so, where should we be planting? This is a, this is a good question. Um, I think the short answer is, should we have more churches? Yes. Um, we need to use wisdom, but the answer is yes. There needs to be more churches. Uh, we need to take the time to evaluate the churches that we currently have and see where we can plant new churches uh, or where we can take an existing church that is maybe struggling and take the time to really invest time and, and see what it takes to maybe revitalize that church. We need to be strategic in the way that we are where the way we are doing it and where we are putting more churches. Um, I think the reality is is that there are people in all areas that are not attending a local church, or not connected to a local church. There are people in all areas who do not know who Jesus Christ is in a personal way, and they're not attending those churches, and those churches are not being affected for some way reason. And so having more churches helps to, um, helps to bring excitement, bring energy, helps to... Um, Maybe have that opportunity to engage someone who doesn't know. Um, I don't. I don't think there's an option here uh, of taking the back seat and just saying, "Hey, look, there's so many churches, so we're not going to put more energy here." I think when you look at, um, and this, maybe this stems from my life of just knowing what God has done in my life. When you look and you think about what God has done in your life, you really can't help but be broken along for those who don't know the hope that you have to find it, uh, to to for God to really call them. Um, to salvation. So the answer is the established church and working through the church um, to reach people. Jay, I want to piggyback off of that a little bit. I want to jump into this idea about what in the world is a church? What's the process for becoming a church? How do we know what a church is? Uh, how do we become church? What are the things that go into this? And how do you, how do you deal with that that issue? Well, I think I want to start by answering that first question, what is a church? Uh, let's be very clear. The church is the people. Uh, one of the things you'll learn quickly from church planting is, uh, you know, you don't need a building. You don't need, uh, you, you don't need some of the things that the established church might have. The church is the people. And really, uh, when we lose that focus, a lot of times we misunderstand what a church is. Um, then the process, I think we need to be very careful when we use the word process, uh, because if not, we get into this, this idea of it, it's kind of a box. You, here's your box for church planting, and this is what you're supposed to do. If you do A, B, C, and D, then, hey, you're going to make it. Um, I, I think the process, when I've talked to church planters and I've talked to uh, quite a few. Uh, I would say I've, I would venture to say I've probably talked to majority of the church planners in the Boston area. What you would find is 
a majority of them had a different process. They were going through a different I would even say I'm, I'm treading water to be on a different process than any of them. And, and so really it comes down to evaluating the area that you are targeting and then finding out what it's going to take to gather people and, and, and disciple them in that area, uh, and to reach them and to, to make disciples in that area. And it will look different based off of the area. And so being very careful to use that, uh, that word process, um, I think Henry Blackerby said it best in his book, Experiencing God, find out where God is at work and then join him. And, and I know that that's been thrown around a lot, but the reality is uh, that's the world I live in, is seeking where God is at work and then finding opportunities where I can join him. Um, for example, in the town of Natick, um, they understand the word community. So coming in and saying, we're going to build community, they would they would ask the question, why? So rather than come in and try to invent something new, we have been very intentional about building relationships with community leaders and saying, how can we support what you're already doing and become that 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 hands and feet, for lack of better words, of what and showing love, uh, you know, without any strings attached, just showing them that we're there to support the community, to love the community, and uh, seeing where that got, and we've seen many things happen just from being that kind of having that kind of heart behind it. So you've been in Natick for six months, six-ish? Correct, correct, six months. Have you found a good bit of traction in Natick in these six months? Um, who, who have you met? What are some of the stories that they have? Um, we have seen God do some unreal things in the last six months. Uh, I've been told by many that we're making uh, great progress in the first six months. That they very rarely see what we're what we're already seeing, uh, and I'm not sure I even have time in this podcast to share everything of what God is doing. I would say that we saw how God was at work before we ever moved. Um, Bland Mason, he's the lead pastor at City on a Hill. He's a church that I'm doing a residency uh, currently at, and um, which is 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 a great. Um, great resource for us who just moved to the town, uh, city and don't know many people. But Bland knew some individuals who lived in Natick um, named Dave and Lil. And this is a, an amazing couple. Uh, and I'll never forget the first time we met them. We were in uh, Natick looking for housing. And Bland arranged and introduced us so we could have uh, dinner with them so we could learn a little bit. And I'll never forget walking up to the table and Lil looked at me. And the first words that came out of her mouth, she said, we've been praying for 10 years for a church to be planted in Natick. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. When was the last time you prayed for 10 years for something and longed for it? Uh, turns out uh, this has just been uh, something that's been on their heart for this long. And um, I'm no way suggesting that I'm the answer to someone's prayer. But we can see that how this is how God was at work and God was beginning to put things together. Um, think about this is my wife and I, we're coming up in January, we'll have our 10-year anniversary. So the coolest thing in the world is like to think of how big and how big this whole thing is that God is putting together. Is before my wife and ever got, I ever got married, He was engineering circumstances that we would land in the place where this couple had already begun to pray for church planners to come. Um, it, it's it's just unreal. And so um, I would just say that we have made some amazing traction because we're following those connections. Again, seeking where God's at work, and we're doing that, and we've been doing that for the last six months. We were very adamant about getting on the ground and just really spending time in the community. And um, those are there's so much that God is doing. It's just it leaves you in awe. Uh, it gives you a, a, even a bigger spectrum of, uh, uh, I guess, a bigger um, idea of of the God that we serve. 
Following in that same vein, when you stepped into Natick, I'm sure, sure there's plenty of things that hit you in the face. There was a great many opportunities to learn some things. You've been there for six months. So what are some things that you've learned both about Natick and about yourself in these first six months on the field? Um, I, I think the biggest thing I've learned is this is God's story. <laughs> and so I'm dependent on him to make every connection, guide every conversation. Um, and I'm going to be honest, uh, not many days goes by. Not many days go by that we are not left in all of what he is already doing and had already been doing before we ever got there. Uh, I'm I'm spending a ton of time learning from other church planners. Uh, I get a I get a, a huge benefit from learning from what other church planners have done that uh, have been mistakes. Uh, so I don't need to necessarily fall in those same uh, you know holes that they fell in. I've gotten to learn from Bland Mason, who I mentioned earlier. Um, he, he's a great guy. He, uh, he moved there about, I think it was almost six years ago, to plant City on a Hill Church in Brookline. And since then has uh, really taken church planting, uh, I would say, to a different level. He, the church probably runs around 250 or so uh, on, a, on, a, on an average Sunday morning, but he has planted and been influential in planting three other churches in that five-year time uh, and has sent people has uh, sent money and resources. They're a church that is is taking this to heart. That it's not about necessarily about building a a mega church or a big church there in Boston, but rather, how can we mobilize people to reach other people in the greater Boston area? So um, we have learned a a ton in the first six months we've been there um, from others about ourselves. We've we've discovered who. <laughs> some of our weaknesses, uh, as I was uh, as I was telling you before the podcast, just some of our weaknesses, some of the areas that God is really just wanting us to grow and learn through, so that we can be the most effective in this area. Now, before you um, you were a student pastor, youth pastor, and then also discipleship pastor. Uh, how did making disciples in your previous church prepare you for making disciples in the church plant? That's an excellent question because I believe um, one of the first things I did when I moved to Natick was get involved in a local um, Campus Crusade for Christ meeting for high schoolers because uh, it was meeting in Metro West, and so students come from all over uh, Metro West, high school students, and uh, I felt I felt myself take a like a step back in the past of going, oh boy, now I'm back in student ministry days. I haven't done this in a little while. I'm back in student ministry days, but just... I think the biggest thing of learning how to disciple people over time has been the best way is through just having a conversation with an individual and not putting them in this uh, almost like a microwave discipleship process where we put them in, put them in for you know so many years, do this plan, and then all of a sudden they're going to come out being perfect. Uh, I have four kids, and none of them have developed the same. So they're they're at different stages. They've all learned. Some have learned quicker. Some have learned uh, slower. And so the reality is we need to take individuals and look at individuals and go, look, we can't expect you to act just like someone else. You are your own. God created you uniquely. And so therefore, we need to look at that and go, hey, what? how is God at work in your life and how can we come alongside you and, and help you to take maybe just that next step? Uh, we can overwhelm people very quickly, too, by saying we want you to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. I think that's all true. That's what we're trying to accomplish. But for the average person you look at and say they're going, that's way overwhelming, and all of a sudden— that push that's there's pushback rather than going hey what's your next step do you know how's god working in this area do you just need to improve your 
prayer life? Do you need to improve? Are you reading the Bible? Do you know how to read the Bible? Let's take these small steps in the right direction and just meeting people where they are and helping them to, to learn what that next step is in their spiritual journey. And I think through student, college, discipleship, you've learned, I've learned that, I've learned this about people. They're in different stages and you just need to meet people where they are. Jay, let me meet you where you're at. I'm going to ask the million dollar question. How are you going to pay for this? How is the Lord going to provide for you? Um, that is a uh, an excellent question. Uh, I'm 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 very dependent on God's people, uh, the church with with a capital C of the people of God coming together. We we we've been uh, like I said, I'll go back to First Baptist Leesburg uh, and Pastor Cliff Lee there, really doing an excellent job of mobilizing his people to get behind what we're doing. Um, <clears throat> I believe we have about. 48 or so families and individuals who are, you know, they're supporting and they're giving over and above their regular tithe to the local church to really give to our family. That's overwhelming to think about that someone is, you know, giving up something that they could have to to support God's work in, in Boston. Um, and so we're, we're looking we're looking for, you know, those partners to do that. And so we're paying for it through that. We have other local churches that have come alongside and are, are helping uh, support in, in various different ways. I, I actually, believe it or not, God is working in some amazing ways. <clears throat> There's a local construction company, roofing company, that has come alongside of us in a huge way. Uh, the owner of the company is is a believer, and he just loves mission work. And uh, when I shared with him, uh, he was moved and decided that his company was going to come along as a company, come alongside and support what we're doing. So the the question is, this is how how God is going to provide. God has continued to provide. Uh, we were on our way. Uh, we were doing some traveling to get here, and um, for the Thanksgiving holiday and. My wife was naming some things that we need to do and things like that. And she goes, and Jay, I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but I do know this. God has never left it, left us without what we needed. So as long as we keep our needs, uh, you know, needs and wants, as long as we understand what those are, then the reality is God's going to provide what we need. And he has thus far, um, but we're about to take a next step. And so as we take this next step in establishing a small group Bible study in January, as we begin the process of, uh, we, we wholeheartedly believe in 2016, we will begin a launch process of preview services and launch. And so with that comes a little bit more of a financial strain of what we need. So we're looking forward to how God's going to provide. We don't really know how God's going to provide, but we're doing our best to get the, get the story out there, what God is already doing. And we believe what's going to motivate people is the same thing that motivated us. It's the it's the aspect of what God's done in our life. God has called us to Himself. He's revealed us, revealed Himself to us, and the reality is that alone has motivated me to leave my comfort zone, uh, in 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 Leesburg, in, in a secured church position as a pastor, and pick my family up and move us across. I mean, literally across the United States to plant a church. And I need nothing more. God has done everything He needs for me on my behalf, and that is what motivates me to go out and want to reach fifty six thousand people uh, with a, with a local church. Okay, let's say. There is uh, someone who is listening to Commission Over Coffee who feels called to plant a church. What is one thing you would tell them, and also what is something that you wished you would not have focused so much attention to? If someone is considering church planting, I would say first uh, fast, pray, and seek out if this is God's calling for your life. Um, there's going to be times, uh, there still is times in our life where things get really difficult, 
And the one thing that will keep us on that field, the one thing that is going to keep us in Natick, Massachusetts, is the fact that we know beyond a shadow of doubt that God called us to be there at that time. Um, and and the reality is is there's going to be people who if they if they're not quit if they're not careful uh, they'll get disgruntled or, or just feel like they need to leave where they currently are um, because they they believe maybe this is just be an exciting time. The reality is if this is not God's call then you are going to be miserable, and uh, the reality is you you probably are going to find yourself uh, in a harder place than, than you want to be. And so I would think the one thing that I would tell a person who's considering church planning is seek fast, um, call out to God, uh, seek the wisdom of others around them, find mentors, find people. One thing that North American Mission Board does, and they're doing really well now, is the process of... Um, you know, really coming in and evaluating church planners and making sure before they land on the field, they've done a proper assessment of that and making sure that they know um, the cost that comes into uh, church planning. And so uh, I would say that is a uh, huge thing is just know your calling uh, because there's going to be days where that's the only thing you have is that calling. You mentioned Bland earlier. I think uh, it would be obvious to say he's been an influence on you. He's coached you along through this process. So just talk a little bit about how important a coach is for a church planter. Um, I think it's key. It's the number one thing. And I, and I would think even – I would even brought a little bit. I know the question is what is your single greatest help, but I would even say um, there is such a strong network of church planters in the area I am uh, I'm currently uh, planting such a strong knit, um, you know, planters like Sean Sears uh, in Stoughton, um, who planted Grace Church uh, many years ago. Uh, these planters come alongside new planters, and they really do want to see more churches planted. And so they invest a lot of energy and time um, into church planters. And so Bland, like you said, he spent hours and hours just uh, helping me to discover uh, my weaknesses, for lack of better words, and pointing them out. And, um, you know, that can be very hard uh, for someone to sit around the table, across the table from me and say, you know, I really do think this is something you're struggling with. And it's very exposing, but it's good. It's, it's refreshing at the same time because deep down inside, you know it. You know that you have these things that you're wrestling with, um, and for someone else to acknowledge it brings it to light. I mean, this is all biblical, correct? It brings it to light, and it can be dealt with, and you can begin to work through that. And so uh, I think a, a coach, a mentor, someone who could come along a planter is key and actually vital. Um, the whole idea of parachuting in and being all by yourself and you know charging the ground by yourself, that is, that is insane. I would not recommend anyone doing that. I would recommend someone contacting uh, someone like the North American Mission, but also the fact of just finding local churches that you can connect yourself with. Currently right now, that uh, City on a Hill Church is where my family worships. We go to a small group with them. Uh, so it gives us that sense of community. So we're not necessarily by ourselves, even though we live 30 minutes away. So I, I can't emphasize enough how important a coach is to a church planner. Jay, um, being a church planter is not just you, it's it's your family as well. How has the process of church planting affected your family? I'm glad you asked that. My wife would commend you for saying it's not about just Jay, it's also about uh, this, this amazing family that I have. And uh, this has been huge for my family. Uh, the reality is God entrusted me uh, with a wife. He's entrusted me with four children, and uh, my family is a, is a huge deal. Um, first and foremost, uh, my wife and I spent 
a lot of time praying through this, if my wife was not fully on board, uh, and I would say that for any church planner who's thinking about church planning as well, if, you, if you're married and you have a spouse, uh, if she's not fully on board, then you need to really take the time to pray through that. And uh, if she doesn't become on board, I would not recommend you doing anything like that. Um, because, you know, it is key that my wife and I can can get through this because we share the call. Um, but it has impacted my family and huge. My kids know why we've moved. Um, it, it's just fun because we'll do an interest meeting where we'll have a child, somebody come in and take care of my uh, my kiddos so that we can have some a little bit more of a quiet space to talk. And But my kids come home, and the first question they'll ask is, you know, how many people came? How, how many people were there? They know why we're there. They know that God called us there. To, to tell people about Jesus. That's what we tell them. Uh, and so for my seven-year-old or my five-year-old or my three-year-old to say, hey, they can tell you if you were to ask them, we came to Boston so we could tell people about Jesus. God told us to. In fact, I want to tell you this. I, I got to tell you this. We were in a process where things were just crumbling and falling apart. Uh, we couldn't find a house. This is before we left. And we were talking at the kitchen table and I'm just gonna be perfectly honest. Uh, I was, I was. We were beginning to go. What? Well, I mean, is, are we sure God's doing this? And my seven-year-old daughter looked at me and said, "Daddy, did God tell us to go to Boston?" And I said, "Yes." She said, "Well, if we don't go, then that's disobedience." So let me tell you, my family has really, you know, we've embraced what we're doing as a whole. So yes, it's not just me. It is my wife and my four children, and we're we're doing this together. And it's been a great journey to watch my family grow. We've grown spiritually. We've seen my kids grow spiritually. Um, it, it's nothing. It is it is amazing to watch our family devotions develop over this church planning and see how they are really understanding that God provides what we need, and that we have to uh, we're dependent on other people to to support us and and things of that sort. So it's amazing. It's been an amazing journey. Jay, the whole reason you came on this podcast is to get some help. In many ways, we want to be a resource to help you. We want to connect other people to you. At the beginning of this uh, podcast, I mentioned several ways you can connect with Jay, but also, particularly, what are some of your needs? How can other churches, people, planters, pastors, how can they come alongside you and be a help to you? I I think there's three uh, key ways that any church can come alongside of us. Uh, first and foremost, prayer. Um, as I said at the very beginning, there there were people praying for ten years for this to take place. So God, God can God answers prayer, and uh, we need people that can come alongside. and And we know that there we already know that there's hundreds of people that are praying for us. But having more people praying for this town of Natick, praying for what we're trying to accomplish, praying for the people that we're engaging. It's huge. We have a monthly newsletter, uh, as many church planners do, that goes out that you can you can be a part of. You can you can receive, and in there, I'm very I'm very intentional about giving you. I try not to give you a ton. I only give you about five key things in that newsletter because I want you to be very intentional about how you're praying that month. And so, five key things that you're praying about. Um, the second way is obviously we've talked a lot uh, about how we're paying for this, but uh, that's an area that's key. Um, it's expensive to plant uh, a church in New England. Um, it, it may even be very well more expensive than many other places. Uh, there's so many things that go into church planning. We're projecting uh, needing outside of uh, you know us living there, but just the fact of needing uh, over a hundred thousand dollars just to have launch expenses. And so financial partners are going to be key this year. Um, you know that that includes uh, equipment, publicity, rental space. 
uh, signing, uh, all the all that would go into letting people know that this is taking place in their community. Um, and so I think financially having more financial partners, churches that are willing to come alongside and as a church and as a whole um, be supportive uh, even if financially of what we're doing. And then um, thirdly, uh, honestly, send people. Uh, we've identified numerous community events that we would like to support. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll even go out and say that we have done the research and, and worked with community leaders. We know every community event that is taking place in Natick, and I would want nothing more than to have a presence in every community event uh, in Natick. And that's going to take us gathering some teams that have come in and put on a T-shirt and serve and uh, clean up trash or whatever the community we can do for the community to support them and to get get it out there that this is happening, that you know, God is doing something in Natick. He's already doing something. And so by sending people, you may even have a couple or a college student or someone who's thinking about doing ministry, and you're like, you know, it would be great for them to take a short-term, you know, thing to go and spend some time on the mission field. We can find a way to maybe even house people and have people come uh, even for short term, uh, longer than just a week or a short mission trip, but maybe a couple months or over the summer for a college student. Um, who knows if you're preaching missions and you're preaching getting out there and you're actively sending people out, who knows, there may be people who are called to the mission field and just a supportive role that can come up and, and be that supportive role in the church, local church. So really mobilizing people is the third uh, third best way that we can uh, probably have people at local church come alongside us. Jay, last question. How can we and the uh, the listeners of Commission Over Coffee be praying for you? I think, again, uh, there's, there's so many ways. I could give you a hundred different ways, but I doubt anybody's got a pen and paper and going to write them down. So I'll give you two major, major ways. Uh, one is, as I mentioned earlier, in January we are going to be starting a weekly Bible study with those that we've collected together. Um, we have, uh, we've, we've, we've made some great connections in Natick. We have some uh, amazing people who uh, I believe are going to really buy into what we're doing and be a part of what we're doing. Uh, and so we're going to start a weekly Bible study in January for those individuals. And uh, we have, a, there's may even be more connections than those handful of, uh, you know, 15 people or so that we've got. And so I would say praying for that weekly Bible study that's going to launch, that God would put our hearts together. He would begin to mold us together as a, as a team. We would begin to see fruit from that as we begin the discipleship process with those and and helping them to see what a church looks like. Um, and again, focusing on people and helping to, to disciple people. And then uh, lastly, as we dream together and we begin to put flesh on what a, church, a local church looks like in Natick, Massachusetts. And then lastly, um, as we just talked about, um, you know, one of the ways is, is financially. We're in a key spot right now as we're getting to venture into 2016. And as we begin doing weekly Bible studies and we begin to be active in the community, one of the things is is, is very exciting is, uh, and Easter this year, so just a few months from now, Easter 2016, uh, the church that we're planting in uh, Natick, Massachusetts, is going to be supporting and and really coming alongside of and being key in the town of Natick's Easter egg hunt. And so already getting our hands and active in the community. So this is going to take financial resources. So praying right now that God would provide the finances that we need, and I emphasize need, uh, for accomplishing what uh, God has for us in 2016 and the years to come. Well, we want to end this uh, podcast off with a prayer. Uh, we want people to respond to the gospel, and we want people to respond to what you're doing, and so we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray that the Lord would help you 
both financially and in all the things you're attempting to do to be successful. So thank you for giving us those prayer requests. Let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for Jay. I pray for his family. I pray for all of the opportunities that he's walking into. I pray that you would help him to manage all of the struggles and the stress, that you would give him great success in everything he does. Father, I pray that you, as this process goes on, would help Jay to manage his heart so that it would be formed in the gospel, that everything he does would radiate from his love for you and the love that he has for you, and that other people would be caught into the glory of who you are, and they would see his passion, and it would remind them of the beauty of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, as we each engage in the mission of Christ, I pray that we would be better served and more in in, involved in one another's life, that it would br- drive us to the mission field the way Jay has been driven to the mission field. Lord, I thank you for his story, what it's meant to us in this podcast and to all of the people that it will touch. And I pray this for the glory of Christ, that his name would be known among the nations. Amen. Thank you, Jay, for being with us, uh, taking time out of your week, um, this especially being a holiday and you being down in Florida. Thank you for coming over and having this conversation with us so we can talk about the Great Commission. Uh, we believe that God is going to do great things in Natick, and we believe that God is going to use you, and we pray that this podcast will help get the word out about what you are doing. If you are interested in getting a hold of Jay, you can contact him uh, by calling his cell phone at 508-561-6952. Or you can email Jay. Uh, his email address is j at coahchurch.org. You can follow Jay on Twitter at jmud. That's J-A-Y-M-U-D-D. Or find him on Facebook at mud. J. Also, visit his website, projectmilestone.org. That's projectmilestone.org, and you can see a little more of his vision for planting churches uh, in Natick and the surrounding areas, and um, hopefully you will support him. You can find out ways to do that through contacting him. Thank you for joining us on Commission Over Coffee, where we are having a conversation about the Great Commission. If you would like to be involved with Commission Over Coffee, visit our website, www.commissionovercoffee.com connect. And we have a form that you can fill out. Give us some information about yourself so that we can get a hold of you and you can get some information about us. Um, maybe you have questions you would like answers, issues you would like addressed, or maybe you feel like you can add to the conversation. We welcome um, all types of people, not just pastors or church planters, all types of people. And so we hope that you visit us and connect with us. Thank you again for joining us on Commission Over Coffee. May the conversation continue.